0: Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. I've been so professional on these podcasts for the last two months, including when I had one of our guests on recording every single Monday, Mr. Tyler Rucker. But I want to have some fun tonight. I proposed a wacky idea to the two gentlemen I'm going to have on this podcast tonight. Where I'm in a mock draft mood, I have not done a full first round mock draft on the Draft Deeper podcast yet. However, I participated in two mock drafts for no ceilings, so I have to figure why not whip out a mock draft on my own podcast and not just do it by myself, not just run through 30 picks in the usual dry, monotone voice that I can have on occasion when I'm doing a solo podcast for about an hour, hour and a half. Why don't I get some guys on who enjoy doing this wacky stuff and, as one of the guests would say, firing from the hip as much as I do. So without further ado, I have backcourt violation Tyler Rucker joining me, as well as someone who I haven't had on the podcast since its inception Everyone knows him on Twitter as Hawks It's Simon Rath. Boys, how are you guys doing? Tyler, I'll start with you.
1: I'm I'm ready to roll. This is gonna get pretty weird, um, pretty wild, and you know, I'm all here for it. But I'm doing good. Uh, just one of those days where I was welcoming this process and I'm very excited to get after it with Simon. It's about time he got on this pod.
0: Yes, Simon, I think we've mentioned your name. Every single episode that Tyler and I did together. So it's only fitting that you're on a podcast with the both of us. How you doing, buddy?
2: I am awesome, fantastic, and just stoked to be doing a mock with you guys.
0: So if anybody doesn't follow Simon on Twitter, at HawkStrafter, please go do so. Because he is one of the best scouts that we have on social media. And when I say the word scout, it's funny. Because... Tyler and I and everybody else at No Ceilings, we're we're doing the scouting thing. we're, We're being talent evaluators. We're essentially having conversations about a lot of guys who are projected right now as top 30 picks, top 60 picks, even going as far deep with some sleepers all the way out to like a top 75. But I think Simon is one of those people who embraces the concept of scouting more so than a lot of other people. And what I mean by that is all of a sudden he'll just tweet out a guy who I've never even heard of in my life, but you go on, you pop on some film, you look at the stats and you're like, okay, this guy might actually be a prospect. And sometimes it's not just, okay, he might be a prospect. Other times it's with a player like Jay Nivey, for example, who is definitely going to be picked in this mock draft, who is in what the top five discussions for the majority of people in the 2022 NBA draft. So Simon is literally out here in the weeds doing what scouting is at its best. It's finding talent that isn't always discussed about or has been noticed. He is literally prospecting and making sure everyone gets noticed. Everybody has a platform. And that's really what I love about Simon's work, what he does on social media. So he is the perfect person to have on this podcast, along with Tyler and myself, because we all have different viewpoints. We all have different opinions. We're all going to have different big boards at the end of the day. I know I know for a fact Simon's big board is different than mine because he has Jay Nivey, number one. But th- th- those are the kinds of takes that need to exist in a public space. This is why I do this podcast. When, when I set out to start the Draft Deeper platform as a whole, I wanted to make sure that everybody heard or at least got a look into the types of conversations and the type of information that was shared behind the scenes in, in scouting war rooms. And that's exactly what it is. It's people are going to have different opinions, different viewpoints, and we get together and we talk it out and we come to a conclusion. And that's probably a lot of what we're going to be doing on this podcast tonight. So without further ado, we're going to be doing a first round mock draft. So picks one through 30 we're going to alternate between each other in terms of who's making the picks. So the order, it will essentially be done in three. So Simon's going to lead us off with the first pick, and then he's going to be doing the first, fourth, seventh, etc. cetera. Rucker's going to be second since he is another guest on this pod, and then I'm going to be the, the quote-unquote last guy making picks in our rotation. So we did a little tankathon thon sim, or I, I should say I did a little tankathon thon sim to – bomb everybody's expectations and and throw some wackiness in the mix because you know every single time you boot up one of those tagathons, some team that you wouldn't even expect to have the number one pick generally jumps up and grabs it. And that's exactly what we've done in previous no ceilings mock drafts. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So speaking of a wild and wacky team, grabbing a number one pick, a team that we have no idea what they would do in this scenario, but we're going to try our best to, to put these thinking caps on of all these different NBA teams, and we're going to go through, we're going to make some picks. So, Simon, you have the first overall pick. The Sacramento Kings have won the first overall pick. So who are you taking with the top pick? Are you, t- are you taking Jaden Ivey? All right. So... <laughs> Can
2: I curse on this podcast? Right, I can curse. Right, you you can say whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) All right, so fuck this entire roster. Trade Fox. (laughs) Trade Mitchell. Trade everybody. Like this whole team, they're just always bad. I don't know what the hell's going on with them. Um, but that's not going to happen. So they have they have guards and they have. one center, and they have nothing else. So I don't think they're going to trade Fox. I don't think they're going to trade Halliburton, smartly. Um, Heald should have been gone in 2019. Um, Mitchell should be on a different team. So I'm going to give them a wing. and I'm not going to give them Ivy because I'm going to try to uh, trade up for him. Um, I'm going to give them Jabaris, Jabari, the Smith 6'10 forward out of
0: Auburn. So I think that's the pick that the majority of talent evaluators would make at this point. The 6'10 Auburn forward who really, he keeps impressing me every single time that I see him. And in their most recent game this weekend, you watched some of the jab step jumpers that he's making on a regular basis. And he really gives me those Kevin Garnett type of vibes offensively. Obviously they're, they're not the same player. They don't play with the same intensity. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to see Jabari Smith yelling into a stanchion at, at any point, but it just in terms of what they're capable of on the offensive end, the type of responsibilities that are generally um, associated with their games. You never saw Kevin Garnett being pressured to put it on the deck and create all of these, different shots and opportunities for everybody else off the dribble. You you trusted him to catch, turn, face, and either knock out a jumper or get to the basket. I think that Smith's definitely going to improve at getting to the basket, being more efficient, finishing at the rim, once he continues to add more to his body and he gets more comfortable doing some of those things off the dribble. But for now, he's arguably the best face-up shot maker in the game. So I do love the pick for the Sacramento Kings. They, they just need to get something right. And they, yes. they haven't gotten a ton right um, of late. They have they have some good players on the roster, but not all those players are probably going to be there next year, especially if they engage in some sort of like Ben Simmons trade. You have guys like Harrison Barnes, Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, as Simon said, but they need a franchise cornerstone who probably has the, the lowest probability of being a bust number one overall pick. So I would agree with Jabari Smith. Tyler, any thoughts before you make your pick?
1: No, I think I think that's going to be the debate. It's it's going to matter of what team's are, number one. I mean, I think the Jabari fit for a lot of teams if they end up getting the first pick is going to make all the sense because, you know, Nathan, you and me have talked about it. He might be the easiest fit transition for yep. a number of these all teams. Great. So, um, no, I like that pick from Simon. That, that's a good one.
0: <laughs> so, Tyler, you have pick number two, and I know that you groaned as soon as you saw it in our group chat, because it's yes. the Indiana Pacers, I would have also groaned. Um, I'm I'm happy that I don't have to make a second overall pick for Indiana. But with that being said, good luck, buddy. You're on the clock. Who are you taking?
1: Yeah, so I, I think they're going to end up moving one of the bigs down low. Um, I'm not trying to ever do a mock draft based on hypothetical trades, but, hey, that's what we're going to do right now. So I'm going to say they keep Sabonis. Um, and if they ended up getting this pick, they'd probably have a nightmare for about a month straight. And I, I can't figure out which direction I would want to go. So, you know, I'm going to get a little weird and yes. I'm going to say Chet here. I'm going to yes. say Chet because I really thought Paulo could be, you know, if they want to place Sabonis bonus at the five and play Paulo next to him, like that'd be a fun idea. But I also am just intrigued with, you know, the passing ability of Sabonis, putting Chet next to him. I I, I just think that's the type of Indiana Pacers pick that makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, Chet's number one on my board, spoiler alert, and I'm a big believer of best player available. So let's go with that. Chet Holmgren to the Pacers.
0: Could you imagine the type of chaos that would ensue on the court if they did actually the other part in that scenario, Rucker, where they actually traded Sabonis and they kept Turner and they traded because yes. you imagine like I who who's going to make a shot, shot at the rim? Yeah, block every <laughs> shot imaginable. Like who 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 would want would to face the defense?
2: Yeah, like, it would be I,
1: awesome. I'd love it, but I just I'm I'm weird. I don't know why. They would trade Sabonis, but, you know, Indiana's probably also in a position where they're like, we got to not completely rebuild, but we got to retool. And I still think Sabonis is one of the more underrated players in the entire league. So I don't know. I'm with you guys, though. That would be fun. There's there's a lot of options they could go with there and it would be crazy.
0: Yeah this this roster has been in so much flux and I'm I'm a little surprised that they're in this position to even be able to jump up to number 2 in this scenario that they're even a lottery team in the east I really like their roster composition Their roster the roster's good.
2: I don't understand why they're like the, this bad.
0: Yeah, I yeah. haven't watched enough Indiana Pacers basketball this year, so I I, I would have to get somebody like Mark Schindler from <laughs> from Indy Corridor oh, yeah. on to to definitely give some input on that. But yeah, I'm 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 shocked, but nevertheless, regardless of what direction they go in, I would agree with you. Rucker, in terms of the stability that Chet Holmgren could bring to a team because of his two-way play. We know about how much of a defensive monster he is, but you've even highlighted on some of your posts for the No Ceilings account, he's been much better shooting the basketball of late. And if he's going to be an off-the-dribble shot creator at seven feet, we've talked about some of his passing ability previously on episodes of this podcast, and then everything he brings from a defensive standpoint, that would be a home run pick for Indiana. I think they'd be really happy to get a player like him. So, I'm on the clock. The Houston Rockets, number three overall. I think I'm still going to go Paolo BenCaro here, and i I would be shocked if any of these three players would ultimately not be selected in the top three. I know there's differing opinions out there, but I just think when you talk about what the NBA values nowadays, which is size, length, skill, all three of these players embody those three traits. And people can sour on some of the negatives surrounding Paolo's game. But Rucker, you and I have talked about this with the other guys and no ceilings, how I think he's being undervalued in multiple different areas at this point. And at the end of the day, somebody for your team needs to be able to put the ball in the bucket. And Paolo can do that finishing inside. He can finish through contact. He has proven to be one of the be- one of the better jump shooters from the elbows in this class. He's been pretty good at hitting transition threes. Um, he, he's still a, a little iffy off the catch in certain catch-and-shoot situations. But if you want to talk about guys who can just create something out of nothing and go get their own bucket— Palo's one of the best guys in this class to be able to do that. So just giving Houston another reliable offensive option, I think him and Sh- Shen Gu would be a really interesting mix in the front court. You know that Jalen Green and Kevin Porter would love another guy who could put the ball in the basket and-, and just take some pressure, some scoring pressure off of them. I really like the pick for Houston to to go with Paolo. And- any thoughts from you guys?
2: Yeah, this is exactly who I would pick. I think – the first two guys would be probably their first two people on, on their board. But yep. since they're gone, Ivy wouldn't fit, even though I would love a Ivy and a Jalen Green backcourt. I would love that. But I think it would come down to Paolo or Jalen Duran, And I think there's like, you know, the tier gap between those two.
0: Oh, God, we mentioned Jalen Duran as high as number three on, on this well, podcast. Just because I, think, I, I think Corey Tolaba might have a little bit of a heart attack after hearing that one. <laughs> uh... So, Simon, you're on, you're on the board. You have number four oh, the uh... Washington Wizards. I, I hate this team. I hate well, this team. I, I mean, they certainly had a moment last night. We're recording this on January 26th. They had a moment when they blew a 35 point lead to a depleted Clippers unit. And that was shocking to say the least. It's disappointing. You hear Bradley Beal after some of the press conferences that you you, you can just tell. If you couldn't tell already, you could tell now that, that he's pretty uneasy and unhappy about the situation and everything surrounding the team. And I I just don't know how much fight is left in these guys when you factor in how badly that loss was, how bad that loss was last night, how they blew that big of a lead. So who knows what direction they could go in, Simon? But you can be the conductor of chaos for the Wizards. Who are you taking in number four? All
2: right. So if they keep Beal, I don't think they would pick Ivy because. Ivy is probably, I would probably say about two years away from actually being a positive NBA player because he's just so raw. So I don't think they would pick um, Ivy. Um, I'm just going to skip over the Shaden Sharp because I don't know anything about him. Um, I think if they keep Beal, they're going to want someone who can actually... Uh, play immediately and god this team sucks <laughs> I mean...
0: this is exactly what I figured ah. would be coming from Rucker like when we're like about another 10 <laughs> picks into this mock draft
2: oh it's coming I promise <laughs> you it is coming <laughs> oh man so I want to be a maniac but I'm not going to do it um I guess I'll go with Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran
0: number four.
2: Just to give them a the big man because I don't think Beale's gonna be uh traded. Um Dinwiddie's there, Denny's there, um Kispert's there, uh Kuzma's there. So I mean technically they only need a center to start. Uh and yeah, I guess I'm just gonna be a the psychopath and pick Jalen to go fourth overall.
0: So there is an argument to be made out there that Duran could be the answer to best player available in some scouting circles. Like for, <laughs> for for a reason that I can't fully figure out, like I would not have Duran rank this high on a I big board. Not. But apparently he is still a consensus, like top four, top five, top six name. And that's pretty much been – truthful to everything that Corey's written about on our substack when he does his draft market rankings like durin is always in or around this spot espn values him very highly so even though the wizards have other bigs on the roster like gafford and bryant like there is a world in which they could talk themselves into durin being the best player available so it it's not an unreasonable pick simon i i probably wouldn't make it i don't know if i would want to draft Duran. so for me it took a little pressure off of me <laughs> you were the one who ended up taking him so i do he... think they
2: trade this pick personally if they do have one that high so i don't even think they're going to be even picking this high but
0: it's 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 a it's a tankathon sim that's exactly yep. what we're doing right here. So, Rucker, you have pick number five, the Orlando Magic, who in a lot of different scenarios might even be one of the top two picks in this upcoming draft. They slid in this, in this simulation all the way to five. They would be very unhappy with themselves because they might have missed out on three players at the top who they would have been happy probably to get one of those guys, um, one of those top three. But nevertheless, you're picking at number five. Who are you giving the Orlando Magic? Yeah,
1: I hate this pick, too. You gave me two <laughs> of the worst picks of all time. I mean, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at this board, and I'm like, I would be pulling my skin off of my face if I was in this front office. Um, mm-hmm. My problem with Orlando is I'm really excited about a bunch of pieces that they have, but I don't know. You don't want to give anybody the boot, right?
2: Right. No, I, like I'm still intrigued. And they don't have everything at yes. the same time.
1: Like it's really weird, and uh, I just I keep looking. This is like what I'm talking about with this trade draft. Ugh.
2: No, I'm not trading down. Would they gladly trade up? By the way, the Hawks <laughs> would a, gladly trade. Travis Schlank. stop calling Grab me. Travis like, <laughs> Um.
1: Uh. You know, Simon's gonna hate me, but I'm. I'm. This yeah. is. A, this is just what I'm gonna do. Um. No, I'm I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to take Johnny Davis here. Um Woohoo! I know it's a little spicy. Yeah. Um I re- I have Jaden Ivy hired on my board. Shout out Simon, but I just think, you know, if you, Ivy with like Cole Anthony and Suggs, Dude, I the still,
0: swag in that backcourt would yeah, be Yeah, for
1: sure, but unreal. I don't know if Johnny needs the ball as much as Jaden. Like I would be drafting Jaden to give him as many touches and let him run wild. I agree. And if you're adding him to Orlando with, you're hoping that's becoming Jalen Suggs, if not the second half of this year, next year, especially, I just think Johnny would be more of a, a good off ball fit for them. He can do a little bit of the dirty stuff inside. I wanted to really get wild there, but I'm, trying to make sure that our listeners actually get through the first top 10 picks before they turn (laughs) this off. So, um, no, let's go with Johnny Davis there. I'm a fan of his game. I still am convinced it's Brandon Roy's clone in some way, but, um, yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm rolling at.
0: My only potential disagreement with that pick would be Johnny Davis does have to get better shooting the ball from the outside Yes, because they do have Cole Anthony at the point guard spot, but you have to factor in, even if they want to get wild, and play like a three-guard smaller lineup, Suggs isn't a plus three-point shooter right now. And technically at this moment, Johnny Davis isn't either. So you right. probably want him continuing to improve that outside shot. But the leadership on that team at that point, the swag they would have, listen, man, you you, you can 100% talk me into Johnny Davis. And, and I don't think Orlando's married to any one player in particular on that roster. I don't even think they're married to Cole Anthony, which could mm-hmm. be crazy to say despite him being one of – my favorite prospects that I've evaluated over the last few years and how good he's been this year. I don't think they're a hundred percent married to him. There's still a chance that Jalen Suggs is their longtime point guard. And if he is their, their point guard of the future, they would still need uh, a bona fide two guard to play next to him. And there's potentially no better tough shot maker in this class. After you get past like that Palabin carriage, Jabari Smith top three, than Johnny Davis. So I would agree with you. I think that that was a good pick on your part, Rucker. I have the next pick. I have the Detroit Pistons.
2: Don't do it. Say,
0: yeah, I'm going to do it, Simon. I'm taking Jane Ivy. And a big reason why I'm taking Jane Ivy. shout out to friend of the podcast, friend of No Ceilings, Chad Ford, who has been reporting for a few weeks now that the Pistons are eager to pair Kate Cunningham with with a dyna- with another dynamic playmaker in the backcourt like Jay Knight.
1: You mean and- Killian Hayes isn't doing it? <laughs> oh God! I'm sorry, Pistons fans. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> shout out Kevin O'Connor. I'm was, sorry. I was, I was just gonna say, shout
0: out KOC man. The the the, the Killian Hayes train Top keeps five. moving along. I. Uh. I
1: I don't want to go too deep into Killian Hayes' territory, but I just feel bad. He got overhyped. I still believe a little bit. Yes, he did. Sort of.
0: I mean, you you take a look at what what Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham could do together, splitting pick and roll reps. Jaden Ivey, although I have questions still about his pull-up jump shot, he's been much better shooting off the catch when he actually has time to go through his mechanics this year. He's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. Like I said, been really good off the catch. And then if you want to put him in pick-and-roll situations, him and Isaiah Stewart, you have Kate Cunningham spotting up off the ball. And even though he's been proven to be a much better on-ball player much earlier on in his career than I think some anticipated, he's still a threat off the catch because he is a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, or at least he's capable of being one in his own right. So I think that would be a really dynamic backcourt. Obviously, you would have Ivy ripping through teams in transition, pushing the pace, applying pressure to the rim. He would be... I think a great fit in the backcourt with somebody like Kate, and That would be two options that they could definitely continue to build around for the future. So I'm going to take Jane Ivy at number six. Simon, Oklahoma City Thunder at number seven. One of two teams in this scenario because of all of these crazy trades that have been made with draft picks and who owns the rights to what they're one of three one of two teams in this scenario who have three first round picks. Ruby choosing three players for the Thunder and three players for the Grizzlies to, tonight. So that that's wild in and of itself. I don't I don't know how often that happens in the NBA draft, but player number 1 for the Thunder, who are you going with at pick number 7? So since they have two
2: top 12 picks, I think they can take a swing here or at the pick 12, but, um, it's down to two, to the two players, <clears throat> either Shaden sharp or AJ Griffin. Um, I'm going to go with AJ because I've actually seen him play. So, um, yeah, they have, they have a backcourt of, um, SGA and they have Josh Giddy and that's about it. Um, Lou Dortz, Lou Dort's there, but I think they could go for a six foot six de- defensive forward who can also knock down shots. So I'm I'm gonna go with um, AJ here.
0: Yeah, the Thunder are one of those teams that I think they just need a little bit of everything offensively. Yeah. They need guys who can hit open spot up shots and also apply pressure on the rim. A.J. Griffin has shown some passing flashes. He's obviously a really good athlete in transition. And then defensively, when you talk about his 6'6", almost 225-pound build, he can really guard people one-on-one when he's engaged in on his game. I, I obviously have questions about his off-ball defense, but I, I say this every year at this point, like, these young guys, they're they are not going to be good on off-ball defenders in the NBA right when they get there. You have those questions about virtually every prospect in the field. So when we just talk about what Griffin could bring to the Thunder immediately, I know some people are going to have some reservations about picking someone like him this high given his previous injury history, how he wasn't able to get on the court for Duke right away in the starting lineup. They kind of had to work him in at different points this year already, but... I think when well, we're talking about just pure talent available in this draft, he has a case to be one of those top five players. So I I, I, I don't dislike the pick. I actually like the pick a lot, Simon. And I think I'm, I'm on the A.J. Griffin over Shaden Sharp train as well. I know some people on Twitter have been sharing over the last day or two, like who would you rather pick, A.J. Griffin or Shaden Sharp? I think – just given the familiarity and what I know about AJ's game, even though there is that that injury factor, I'm still more confident that that when you look at some of the flashes on film from AJ, he just he just has moments where he looks like a bona fide star man and and he could turn into somebody special in the league. So, Tyler, another pick that I'm glad I don't have. The San Antonio Spurs at number 8. What I don't know what direction you're going to go. This was a spot where we actually had Jalen Duran going in a no ceilings mock. There is another player on the board who might be that, that boring type of personality who might fit in San Antonio, who I know you like a lot. I don't know where you're going to go, but the floor is yours. Pick number eight, San Antonio.
1: Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. This is the easiest pick I've ever made (laughs) in my life. Um, Keegan Murray, the most San Antonio Spurs player of all time. Uh, Basically the same personality as Tim Duncan. No, I just, I just am a big fan of Keegan. The more I've watched him, the more I've been a fan. I think he's going to be a guy that ends up in this ballpark. I think he could go as high as six. He could go around six to eight. So I think San Antonio would jump all over that. Um, Carries himself the right way. Very mature. Just putting up big numbers for Iowa this year. So I'll keep it short. I think that would be a slam dunk for the Spurs.
0: I agree with you. Keegan Murray has been one of the most efficient players in all of college basketball this year. Corey and I got to see him up close and personal last week at Rutgers. And he really impressed me, not because of, you know, he, he didn't hit a lot of big shots in that game or he wasn't hitting all of these tough shots off the bounce or doing anything crazy on the offensive end in particular, but he was just incredibly solid. He's one of those low mistake type of players. He has a high IQ two way versatile defender That's the type of player I think that San Antonio would continue to love to add, especially when you factor in. They are starting to get offense from a number of intriguing players, including DeJounte Murray. They have Josh Primo waiting in the wings. Kelvin Johnson has been a good player for them. So while Keegan Murray does give you offense, I think he also gives you some of that toughness, that IQ, that rebounding. I think he would really benefit them greatly. And you are right, Tyler. He is He is the most San Antonio Spurs prospect that we have in this entire class. So that that was not a a bad pick at all. I'm on the board, number nine, the New Orleans Pelicans. I think if I were that front office, I'd be really intrigued to take somebody like Shaden Sharp here. I'm not going to do it. I'm actually going to go with Ty Ty Washington. And the reason why I'm going to go with Ty-Ty is this team needs a point guard, but they don't just need a point guard. They also need, A, they need more consistent shot making from all over the floor, which Ty-Ty has proven at the college level that he's a three-level scorer. He has the best floater in the class. He can finish around the basket once he gets there. His his jumper uh, curling off screens, off the catch. Him being able to hit some of those one-two triple pull-ups, he's looked really smooth with that jumper. He can hit open three-point shots. It's also the defense, and that's something that some people have started to talk about. Is his defense has really come around for him? He certainly can hold his own one-on-one against other guards, but even in some situations where he's been like switched onto a big, for example, he's held his own in the post. Like he's competitive, he's strong. He's 6'3", with a 6'9", wingspan. So he has that length to be able to play passing lanes, force turnovers. And his competitive nature, yet calmness at the same time, I love that combination. And he's just that steady type of guard I think they need more of in New Orleans. Like, when I looked at their roster preseason, I knew that they were going to be a tire fire defensively because nobody in that backcourt could guard anybody. So now you bring in somebody who can, on top of all the pluses that we've been talking about with him for weeks. His his, his shot making, his continued steadiness in playing out of pick and roll. He is getting better as a passer. So I really like that pick for New Orleans. I think that could benefit them greatly, and it would certainly take pressure off of Zion whenever he comes back to play for that team, as well as Brandon Ingram. Takes a little bit off their shoulders to have to create everything for everyone else. You can give more of those responsibilities to Ty Ty. who wouldn't want to watch... A tie tie Zion pick and roll combination that would be that would be damn filthy. So that's my pick. Simon, you're up at number 10, Portland Trail Blazers, another team that's become a little bit of a tire fire lately. Although they have Anthony Simons who has been playing his ass off, and shouts out to him. I'm really glad that they've given him time to develop, and now you see what he can do on a big stage. He's been playing out of his mind. Mr. Little has been playing really well, so they have two good young players in place if they do want to blow some things up. But where would you see them going regardless with this 10th pick? So I would trade Dame. I would trade CJ.
2: I would trade Powell. And then I would give um, Simons a backcourt partner of Shaden Sharp.
0: Okay. This pick actually makes a lot of sense. Yep.
1: So good. we just went full blow up the entire city of Portland. <laughs> all right.
2: all yes, season. blow the okay.
0: entire thing up.
2: Okay. okay. Just,
0: I mean, I mean there, 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 there just seems to be something wrong with that team, and I can't quite put my finger on it. The only explanation that seems to be right in front of my face is that Dame just hasn't been that good this year because he's been hurt. He's been in and out of the lineup. Now he is out of the lineup for a little bit, but I don't think that's the full explanation to everything. I just I think ever since a lot of those rumors started coming out last year about Dame potentially wanting out of Portland or the team trying to explore trades in the background, there just hasn't been this good, clear stigma with the Portland Trailblazers. And if we're talking about them keeping that pick, blowing up at least some of the parts around Damer, maybe even trading all three of those all together, kind of like Simon said, it makes a lot of sense to give Anthony Simons another long term partner in the backcourt who can grow into possibly being a star of his own in Shane Sharp. He's the most unknown player who's gonna be available in this draft class, the 6 6 guard. I like a, what I want I like a lot of what I see on film. I definitely have some questions that I need answers to before I would definitively take him. With a top ten pick in this particular draft, I don't know if he's going to play for Kentucky. If I were his counsel, I'd advise against him playing for Kentucky this year because Fortnite. they're in they're in the mean potatoes of their schedule in the SEC. It's only going to continue to get harder from here on out when you factor in the rest of the regular season, then the SEC tournament, and then the NCAA tournament. You're trying to acclimate him into a team with that's essentially surrounded with he'd be surrounded by veterans. Um, the only other younger players that he's really playing alongside of would be Ty Ty and Damian Collins. We see how much playing time Damian Collins gets this year. Ty Ty would really be the only one that he'd be sure in the court with on a regular basis. But Ty Ty is also mature and, and, and wise really beyond his years. So I just don't know if Shane Sharp would be able to do enough positive things on the court to outweigh the negatives that would assuredly be there. Not because they're true negatives to him as a player, but just because he hasn't been – playing college basketball and he hasn't gotten acclimated to that level of play. He's been essentially sidelined for, for that long. So I, I, w- I would advise against him not playing, but you hear everybody coming out, Jonathan Wasserman, Sam Vecini, Matt Penny, they're all like, he's going to be a top 10 pick regardless of if he plays or not. So he would be right there at number 10. And I'm glad that, that Simon picked him up for, for the trailblazers. So Tyler, Hi. the Atlanta Hawks, a lot of pressure. No, no pressure. You, you only have Simon's no pressure at all. team here. That you have to make a pick for. You have to decide their fate. Who are you taking at number eleven? So
1: I want to be smart, but I also kind of want to make a bold pick because it might piss off Simon. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, this is tough. I'm not kidding. Like I have an obvious guy I want to take for them, but um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. Simon, all uncomfortable. So I really like Atlanta's team. Um, I'm sad that Cam Reg had to go. I know we've all talked about Don't that. Don't mention
2: that. Don't mention that.
1: Sorry, too soon. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to go Patrick Baldwin here. Yeah. Um, Girl, just, I love it. Yeah, yeah I like, like, with. Baldwin's having a nightmare year. I still believe he's gonna get in front of, you know, the pre-draft process. He's gonna shoot the crap out of the ball and workouts. He's gonna heat up again. I just think you put him with Atlanta and say, Hey, we need your size, we need you to just space the floor, be a lethal catch and shoot guy. Like I still go back to his FIBA tape and I'm very intrigued. So I would think that would be a great addition for the Hawks. Um make his role simple early on, he'll have a a lot more enjoyable experience playing with all that talent and I think that'd be a good fit. I love it. Put okay, him into good.
2: into um the Gallo <laughs> role and yeah, yes yeah, I love it. I love we'll, it.
1: We'll get we'll get a more lethal Gallo in there. Yeah, it's going to be healthy.
0: Yeah, those those small ball lineups with Collins at the five and Patrick Baldwin at the four, they would just shoot the shit out of the basketball mm-hmm. at, at all times. So that would be – I mean, the Hawks are already an offensive nightmare for a lot of teams. See my Philadelphia 76ers last year in the playoffs, and now you just give them another talented shot maker who is definitely better than what he's shown on, on tape this year. There, There's a lot of people who are going to argue with us to death, Rucker, about the Patrick Baldwin case. I, I planted my flag on that island over a month ago I'm not getting off it I don't care how many numbers you want to throw in my face I will go back and show you some synergy percentiles where he actually rates out better than expected and as you guys just said you can go back and then flip on tape of every moment before he got to Milwaukee and he was a pretty damn good prospect then and he's still a pretty damn good prospect now so I agree with the Baldwin pick that's a great pick Rucker thank Um, you I really appreciate that (laughs) Yeah, not not that you really need my words of encouragement to to do your job over there, but all right. Oklahoma City Thunder. As Simon mentioned, the second pick in the top 12. It was an AJ Griffin selection the first time around. Let's let's continue to swing for the fences. Why why not continue to swing for the fences? Let's give them Kendall Brown as well. Let's let, let let's get weird. So Kendall Brown's been somebody who's been slipping in mock drafts and and on big boards over the last month because he's not putting up a lot of eye-popping numbers at Baylor. And my argument for that would be within the offense, how many shots does he actually expect to have? On that Baylor team, like they're they're another backcourt heavy team who, you know, they have two to three guards are going to chuck up anywhere from 10 to 12 shots per game. You know, Matthew Meyer is going to come in there. He's going to get his eight to 10 shots per game because he just doesn't give a crap. So you're talking about between like three to four players. That's like anywhere from 30 to 40 shot attempts. And he's not this big who's going to live on the boards exclusively like Jonathan Chalma, Chachua, or Flo Thamba, where they're going to get shot opportunities because of the amount of offensive rebounds that they're able to pile up. So it's like, how many shots are actually going to be left for Kendall Brown? It's, it's no wonder to me why he only has, like, games where a, a lot of games, actually, where he only has, like, five or six field goal attempts the entire game. But he's one of the best athletes in this class. He's 6'8". He's long. He runs the floor really well in transition. He's a playmaker in transition. as balls well as in the half court. We've seen a few flashes where when he's gotten opportunities to, to hit some pull-up jumpers, he's been able to do so. I'm buying the shot more long-term than I think some people are. And I'm also buying that he's going to be much better defensively, particularly off the ball long-term as well. He, he does get caught with his pants around his ankles at times on the court. But as I just said, like five minutes ago, that happens to every young player we could talk about at some point or another in this draft class. So I'm going to buy the long-term improvement from Kendall Brown. He'd be another fun transition run and gun type player for SGA and, and, and SGA getting the Thunder to to play with. So that's who I'm going to go with at number twelve. Simon, I think, oh, go I ahead. Think, I think the Kendall
2: is basically a six foot eight Isaac or Cora. That's basically how I see him used.
0: That would that would certainly be intriguing if a lot more of the defense pans out. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you that, and I think Oklahoma City would be quite thrilled to to get a player with with that type of upside if that if that bears itself out. So, Simon, you're on the board, pick number thirteen. The New York Knickerbockers stand up, New York. Who are you picking?
2: All right, so who to build around with Cam Reddish? Um, <laughs> you obviously have all right so you're gonna you're gonna die on that
0: hill for forever aren't you the Canada, i will the yes well. i will
2: always die on that hill yep um all right so i could go the bold route um you know what i'm gonna go with benedict mathurin
0: He was the guy I was literally just about to say. Like, I can't believe that he's still on the board. Still there. I would have liked to pick him for Oklahoma City. I just wanted to sweep for the fences.
2: Yeah, he would have been the my pick if uh, Rucker didn't go with PBJ.
0: That's who I was debating. That's yeah. He would have
2: been my pick.
0: But what Tyler? Why did he slide? Well, this is this is your guy Arizona Wildcats basketball stand up. Why is he sliding in this mock? What are, what are we doing? Are we just stupid?
1: No, I think this is just how mocks go. I think every year one guy slides. I mean, we can think a guy is supposed to go top 10 and he ends up going 16th. Like it it, it just one player, you know, falls through the weeds and I, I the shade and sharp thing
2: that pushed him down one.
1: That pushed him down and I, I'm still I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying the shade and sharps going to get in the draft and be a top 10 pick, even if he never plays a game like I know that's really exciting to think about, but I'm still going to have to wait and see if that really happens. But I like what I've seen from Mathrin. I, I, I definitely think he could be someone that intrigues team in the top 10, um, but I also could see him still being like a late lottery pick.
0: What do you like about the pick? for for New York Simon with Mathur right here? Why did you take him?
2: So <clears throat> I think they have a bunch of, like, ball-stopping guys, like Julius, he needs the ball. RJ, he needs the ball. Uh, Fournier, he needs the ball. Cam Reddish, hopefully, will get the ball. So I, I like that Benedict can just be the off-ball guy and just thrive off ball. So he doesn't have to just take the shots away from those four. I agree with that.
0: And I think when, when uh, Matherin has gotten downhill more in in some of those off ball scenarios, when they've gotten him on the move, he's also been much better this year in making the next play after getting himself on the move. He's been able to make the next read, make the live dribble pass, find somebody else when he doesn't have the shot. And we know how lethal, of a shot maker he can be when they do get him going on the move. They have him curling around screens. They have him working off handoffs. They get him downhill. He's just been a really good, tough shot maker for Arizona. He's been their best offensive player. And he's a big reason why this team's having the success that they are right now, even though he didn't have a good game from the floor last night. Everybody has a bad game. It's college basketball. It happens. I'm certainly not going to worry myself into Mather and dropping down my board because of, one bad game. So even though he slid a little bit in this mock draft, I think that I think he pretty much comes in play anywhere from like eight to all the way down to where we took him like 13 or 14. He's a he's the second half of the lottery guy. So I'm glad that he was finally picked. Although I think Tyler would have loved to be able to take him with pick number 14, because he's picking for his own Boston Celtics. Who, who are you drafting for a team that you loved watching growing up?
1: I can't get over the idea that Brad Stevens might do a backflip if this guy is still <laughs> on the board. So I'm gonna go ahead and take him. Um, I'm gonna do it. I'm taking Ochai Baji right here. I, oh I think this is God. exactly Surprising. I think yes. this is exactly the type of guy Stevens wants. Um, they just want a, a you know, kind of an early contributor who can get after it on both sides of the ball and really stretch to the floor. You know, I, I'm still a believer in Aaron Nismith, but I think they are they were hoping to get a little bit more of a contribution from Niesmith on a consistent basis. So um, I think just added another asset in that arsenal. I, I don't really like the point guards in this range. I think they just need to get guys that can help right away. And I do think, you know, the Celts are going to be pretty active around the deadline. I think this team could look very, very different next year. So. Yeah, I think Abaji's a good pick for them here.
0: You know, the one thing that the Celtics are missing that Neesmith, in theory, would give them if he was actually knocking down shots on a consistent basis is just that guy who you can trust to hit it from the hit that corner three mm-hmm. when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum dribble the air out of the ball and they can't go anywhere else with it. They know the shot's not there in front of them, so they got to pass out of it with, like, four seconds left on the clock. They don't have that knockdown shooter – that Ochai has been for for Kansas this year he's he's really been a bailout guy in a lot of different ways for that offense this year it's not just that he's this on-ball flamethrower he's also been that that guy who has played his part off the ball when he's had to play off the ball and he's been a, a little bit of a bailout guy for them so I think that you, you don't want him necessarily handling a lot of high volume in the NBA anyway so he'd be a perfect bailout guy for for Boston I agree with you Tyler I think uh I think he definitely fits the mold of the type of player that Brad Stevens would target with that pick. So, I'm now on the clock. The Minnesota Timberwolves. I have no idea what to do with this pick. Um, I, have, I have absolutely zero idea what to do. So they're kind. Of, they're another team. They're they're kind of like. They're in a better situation than Orlando because they're more competitive and they're winning basketball games, but they're they're another team where it's like they have Anthony Edwards, they have Carl Anthony Towns, they have D'Angelo Russell. They have these guys that they think are going to be pieces that are with the roster in the long term, but at the same time, this team could also flip a switch, blow it up, trade Towns, trade Russell, and they could be in a spot where it's really only Anthony Edwards is the core long-term piece. So they're this other really sneaky, blow-it-up kind of team. They could go in a number of different directions. Um, Luck. I'm going to be a little cantankerous here. I'm going to take Dyson Daniels just because I think that regardless of what Minnesota does, he will fit in any construct. Um, He's another guy who can handle the basketball. He can make decisions on the ball. He's been a really good pick and roll facilitator for the G League A19 this year, even though he's not the flashiest or the sexiest offensive player. Um, He, like I said, he makes a lot of good decisions with the ball. If the shot comes around, I think his upside continues to climb. He's probably the best perimeter defender in this class in terms of guarding one through three. So having him and Anthony Edwards next to each other, as long as Edwards continues to keep making strides defensively, that could be a nightmarish backcourt go up against on a night-to-night basis. So I'm just going to take the guy who gives them steadiness regardless of what they end up doing. So I'll take Dyson Daniels at number 15. So, Simon, you're now back on the clock. The Memphis Grizzlies pick one out of three for the Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, in real life, they could obviously look to move one or two of these picks, but we're going to make all of them because that's what that that's just what we're going to do in this mock draft. I'm not I'm not I'm not whipping out the, the 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 trade guide and the trade machine for for this particular mock draft. So, who are you taking at number 16?
2: So, I'm going with my Fifth-ranked guy on my board who is still Uh, here. Oh, here it is. I'm going with Jaden Hardy and have him form the cockiest backcourt in the entire NBA (laughs) with John Morant.
1: Very proud of you, Simon. And Bane.
2: And Bane. God.
0: I, I thought about taking him at number 15. I didn't pull the trigger on it because... I just don't know how him and Anthony Edwards would mesh. Yeah, I don't I don't similar. think that would happen. they're they're too similar of players, but if you put him in a situation like Memphis where he doesn't have to be doing every single thing on the ball, you can actually experiment with him much better off the ball because you have John Moran, Desmond Bain there. I think that could actually be a really intriguing pick for them. So that's that that's a really interesting selection, Simon, for, for three guys who Maybe I'm not as high as I once was on Jane Hardy, but I'm also not of the belief that he should be falling outside the top 20. Um, I think at the end of the day, he just has too much natural talent to work with. And for all the negatives that we want to point out about him that he's shown in the G League tonight, he's also shown some positives, some some passing flashes of time that, that I think he's definitely gotten much better, and particularly in terms of progressing through his pick-and-roll reads. I think he's absolutely had moments on film where he's been better at that, and his shot making, we've seen him multiple games for Ignite where he has taken over for that team down the stretch. So even though the, the numbers, the, the percentages wouldn't say so, he still had some really interesting moments as a shot maker on film for that team. So I'm really excited to see him this weekend in person. All the G League Ignite guys, I can't wait to scout them. So that was a really good pick at number 16. Rucker, Raptors, pick 17. We've seen where they've gone in recent years with their draft philosophy. Are you sticking to that trend of just taking the the tallest and longest forward on the board? Are you going to go in a different direction? Where are you going at seventeen? Uh,
1: this is getting ugly, boys. Uh, you know, we got it. We got
0: the we got the rucker um because he doesn't know where he's going. We got it. no.
1: I do. I'm going to get crazy.
0: Um,
2: <laughs>
1: I'm taking Trevor Keels here because the idea of Trevor Keels and Scotty Barnes just is giving me so much excitement for the North. And I know I'm a lot higher on him than some other people, but I just think with the Raptors developmental staff, what they've done with Scotty Barnes this year, I think Keels would just give them another nasty component on that roster that you can build with moving forward. And you know, I like a lot of pieces on their roster, but I just still think they need, they need to get another guy that can just kind of run the offense, and I don't know. I, I like that pick. I, I know it sounds a little crazy, but.
0: No, I mean, it, it kind of gives the Raptors another guy similar to Gary Trent Jr. Like when Gary Trent Jr. is on the bench, they can bring in somebody like Trevor Keels, who if he's, if he's hitting his stride as a shooter and he gets to the point where he's shooting the piss out of the ball similar to what he did before he got the Duke, then we're talking about a really good floor spacer for that team who also gives them that size, that toughness on the perimeter, that defensive ability, that glue guy who's been a much more intriguing passer. Like, that was the one thing when he got the Duke. I didn't know a ton about Trevor Keels, but I really didn't know how, how intriguing of an on ball passer, mm-hmm. um, a live dribble passer, I should say, that, that, that he could really be for that Duke team. He'll have games where I'm looking at the box score, he'll have like six, seven, eight assists, and I'll go, Okay, like that's something I didn't know that you could do at this level. So I think that Toronto is always looking for guys who are willing to defend, who can share the basketball and who can hit open shots. So I think that, yeah, Trevor Keels definitely hits a stride. That's he could be a really good pick for somebody like Toronto. So I I, I don't begrudge the pick at all, Rucker. I think he actually did a good job with that one. Um, Number 18. The Denver Nuggets, I'm back on the clock. I already wrote my pick in the spreadsheet that we have here because I'm I'm excited to get this guy. He's somebody who I know Rutgers a fan of him. I've definitely come around on him a lot more over the last few weeks, especially I know Corey was at the G League night game this past weekend. I watched that game, and when I saw Marjan Beauchamp hitting some of the pull-up jumpers that he did in the mid-range, I was like, oh, my God, like it's all clicking for this dude. The, the, the biggest reason why I wasn't quite as high on him, or at least as high as I've been over the last few weeks, was because I just didn't know how he fully fit into the offense in the half court. Well, if you're telling me he's going to be able to hit open three-point shots and step into some of those one-two dribble pull-ups and knock him down with ease, we already know how good of a cutter he is, how, how timely of a cutter he is getting downhill, getting in the basket, setting that up for his teammates. We already know how lethal of a transition athlete he is. He's arguably the best transition wing, in my opinion, in this draft class. And then you talk about his versatility defensively, but also his activeness. Um, He's always attentive. He loves to to double pressure ball handlers, force turnovers to help him get get back out on the break. I love what he could be for this Denver Nuggets team, who I think they just need more players like him. They, they aren't necessarily built to play as fast as we might expect the Denver Nuggets team to play on their home court with the altitude. I think Beauchamp would give them a little more of that, and I think he'd be a great fit for that Nuggets team. So I'm excited to get him to pick number 18. Simon, you're back on the clock. Dallas Mavericks at number 19. You have to draft the next cornerstone who's going to play alongside Luca. So who are you picking at pick number 19? Uh,
2: so, this roster is about to get very expensive. They have Porzingis at 30, um, Hardaway at 20, 21 for the next three years. Uh, Luca is about to be on um, a max. Uh, Brunson's about to get 20 mil. So, I'm going to give them someone who I think has the highest upside left in the draft, arguably. Um, and who could also fit next to uh Lucas. So I'm gonna give them Blake uh Wesley from Notre Dame. Wow.
0: Damon Simon, oh. I was gonna take him like two picks later if he was still yeah. I knew I knew Rucker wasn't gonna take him. He's 98 so on my board. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you mean he's like a lot this Williams on, on his board. He's like, he's like 78 or whatever the hell he said he was. No,
1: no, I'm kidding. I, I, I understand. There's a lot of people that like Wesley out there. I just haven't, I haven't uh, gone down that rabbit hole yet. I'll get there.
0: So is, is, is he the rabbit hole guy of the week where you, you pop on his film at the end of this week and all of a sudden you're going to pop into our group chat and be like, guys, guys, I'm all I in see It's either I see
1: it or I'm just like, no, <laughs> nope. I'm no, just like, no. I'm like, good luck everyone. Cause I'm not there, but um, no, I, I get the intrigue. I think that, I think Simon brings up a good point. Dallas is going to get that roster is going to get tough in a hurry. I and mean, I think Jalen Brunson, if he's gone, that's going to be a big piece that's missing. If, if he mm-hmm. goes somewhere else and, free agency. So I think, I think that's an intriguing pick.
0: It's, it's a great pick for the fact that obviously he's on a rookie contract, so he's, he's a cheap option for, for them to, to get better in the margins. And I understand he's probably not going to blow anybody away during his rookie year, but we're talking about marginal improvement. He's a guy who could bring that in the backcourt. And he's also somebody who we've seen him at Notre Dame take and make a lot of tough shots. He's somebody who can create his own shot. And Luka does not have any of that around him, especially when Jalen Brunson isn't on the floor. And if he's gone from the team altogether, they need somebody else in that backcourt to alleviate some of the pressure off Luka and make sure that he doesn't have to dribble, 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 create every single trip down the floor. They need, they need somebody in the backcourt who does a little more than just hit open spot up shots. So I think the Blake Wesley pick would be, that would be a slam dunk pick for them. I think in, in a real life scenario. I, I, I have this sneaky feeling that West is going to be in like that 15 to 17 range. I think he's going to go a little higher than this, but I think they'd be really happy to get him um, at, at 19. So Rucker, you're on the clock. You have a second ch- opportunity to piss off Simon. You're once again, picking for the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know how you got both of the Atlanta Hawks.
1: Yeah, from. this doesn't seem right. I feel like I'm cheating on Simon.
0: Yeah. Um. But you have a second chance to upset him. So go ahead. This is
1: gross. <laughs> I oh, gosh.
0: It's, it's not as bad as I think it pro, Like, a lot of these guys are actually starting to turn the corner and make intriguing cases for themselves. I think when you and Metcalf did the mock on no, the No Ceilings podcast like a week or two ago, I think it was probably a lot rougher at this point. I think it's a little better now.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. It, there's just so many guys here that a team like Atlanta has so many pieces already. I still think like Jalen Johnson could be a second year leap guy. Well, yeah, you're you're you're
0: drafting the, the third guy who's gonna be the third star on the Atlanta Hawks G-League team. So that, yep. that's what we're drafting
1: for. Yep. No, stop it, guys. We gotta have a little <laughs> bit more faith. Um okay. I'm gonna throw a wild card out here, but he's the best player left on my board. Oh, and Atlanta will be a, in a BPA situation. I'm going to give him John Montero. Um, oh,
0: my
2: God. So I, I you're
0: going to give him Sharif and John Montero. No,
1: well, I mean, you just, I think you're in a position, if you're the Hawks, you got to keep just adding assets. And, you know, I, I'm not going to give them another wing. It, it's just the guy I think has the highest ceiling probably on the board left. Like, I don't want to, I just drafted Patrick Baldwin. I don't really want to add another three, and there's, some intriguing ones there. Um, if I add a four, I'm pretty much you know, throwing them right behind Jalen Johnson. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of positions, a lot of angles they could go. Um, guys lower on my board I thought maybe could be a pick, but I, I just think that would be a little bit too rich for my taste at 20. So you guys can tell me who else you'd rather go with. I, I, it's, if Simon wants to call me out, I, I feel bad that I took his pick. I'm fine with hearing his opinion.
0: Simon, what do you think about John Montero?
2: Um,
0: yeah, oh I'm not a
2: I'm not <laughs> I'm what? not a big John Montero fan personally, and I don't really see how he would fit with the Hawks, considering he could never be play alongside Trey because they'll be both six foot two guards. Um, but I mean, you know, he's not like you know, you know, a bad guy i would have personally picked um yeah i would have personally picked probably see uh, it's a little hard isn't it yeah thank you uh, <laughs> because anybody anybody i pick will not get any minutes that's what's Z the problem
1: Hudson here at all. Is, is, i'm no, looking at every just option one for the fences.
2: No. all right just go right. for the fences and pick peyton watson that's okay, one. so
1: that was literally the
2: – son of a bitch. I should have done it.
1: I should have done <laughs> That's it. That's who I would have picked.
0: Okay.
2: In, that would make sense.
0: Yeah. In Rucker's defense, defense, if Montero hits, he's probably worth being picked like six or seven picks higher than where he got him. It's just you got to believe if he hits. And he's definitely not going to have a full-time spot. If for the Atlanta Hawks next year. If yeah. this would be the pick, he's going to be having a, a point guard battle with Sharif Cooper Sharif. for the Hawks G-League team next year. But it, it, if if he does hit, I mean, he could end up being – he could end up being the best point guard in this class. Like, I know that I, I've – Simon and I have come around to that pretty much being tie-tie, and I think consensus at this point would probably agree that it's tie-tie. But we can't rule Montero out. He's He's – as Rucker, I, agree. I think, once or twice, he's like the man of mystery for, for a lot of people in this draft class. We, we can't really get a good read on the overtime elite stuff. So unless you have a lot of access to his film from overseas, you're probably coming into this draft, the the casual draft fan, thinking, I don't know enough about this guy. What is he going to be in the NBA? How good of a prospect is he really? So who knows? He could he could surprise the hell out of all of us, and he could absolutely be worth uh, a top 20 pick. So I would have definitely went in another direction as well. So, but, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to completely shit on you for, for the pick. Runner,
1: so, no, it's okay. You guys just don't get it. So it's fine. <laughs> I <appreciate> it. <laughs> no, I get, it. I get going the other direction. I'm just thinking of, and I don't want to talk too long because I know we're, we're almost there, but, um, I'm just thinking of Montero as like a potential
2: a trade backup
1: p- sixth man, uh, You know, someone you could keep developing. I, I mean, I think they just need depth. And I'm not trying to shit on Sharif Cooper, but I'm just saying you're in a position there where you got Patrick Baldwin, maybe you double down. Who knows? But, you know, Peyton Watson would have been fun there.
0: I get it. So, I'm at 21. I do get to pick for my team. I get to pick for the Philadelphia 76ers. I have three directions where I could go with this pick. The one one of them would appease Nick on our staff very much. Another is probably messing up who could be a great fit for the Cavaliers in the next pick. And the third would be the most intriguing in my opinion, but it's just putting even more pressure on Joel and beats shoulders to carry more of the load offensively. If this guy's in the lineup, but then again, maybe they're so good defensively that it doesn't even matter. They're just getting up and down and, He's able to man, help manufacture easy points for this team. So, but I'm going to I, I, go behind door number two, and I'm going to pick Max Christie for the 76ers, a guy who has been in and out of my big board quite literally this whole year. And it's not just because he's had some poor shooting nights. It's also because he's a guy who you could really see boosting his draft stock significantly if he came back to school. And I think if you talk to multiple people, I know that I know that Jonathan Wasserman said it on my podcast that um, if he were to make bets on some of these top freshmen who haven't quite panned out and stayed in that like lottery-type range, if you were to make a bet on one of them to go back to school and come back and really want to boost their draft stock, it'd be Max Christie. So we, we don't know if he's going to ultimately be in this draft, but if he is, he's a six a guard who can get his own shot. Um, Maybe not in the more traditional way of dribble the air out of the ball and take this amazing pull-up jumper, but he's one of the best movement shooters that we have in this draft class. He's fully capable off the ball, and he's been pretty good defensively all year long for Michigan State. And I think the 76ers just need more guys with size who can shoot the ball who aren't non-athletes. So I would have definitely given them an athlete with the other direction I would have gone, but I'm going to bet that the 76ers would probably rather have the shooter here, so I'm going to go with Max Christie. Simon, you do have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sorry if I might have blown up your pick a a little bit. I don't know what direction you're going to go, but you have pick number twenty-two, Cleveland. Who are you taking? Um, So I could just give
2: them the best defense ever and give them Alex Fudge.
0: The best defense (laughs) ever.
2: No, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, I think with Garland there. And I don't think they're going to keep Sexton, personally. I just don't really see that fit. So I think they need another shot maker. And if only there was a shot maker left. Um, I'll go with – I'm going to go with Bryce McGowan's.
0: Okay. Well, he's definitely a a shot maker.
2: Yes. Give them a 6-6 guard next to Garland.
0: So the thing that I've said about McGowan's is if he does hit, if he hits on his potential, I don't know if there's 15 other guys in this draft class who would be more talented than him offensively. He has so much natural talent in his 6'6", six, 6'7 six, six, frame. I saw him up close and personal, uh, Rutgers against Nebraska. I came away very positive about his body, his frame. He's definitely going to be somebody who fills out. And I already knew about his three-level scoring potential coming in, his willingness to get to the basket, draw fouls, knock down free throws. He has an NBA type of scoring repertoire that as long as that outside shot continues to pan out and he becomes more attentive on the defensive end and he definitely shows signs of improvement there, he could be a really, really, really intriguing long-term pick for somebody. And I know a lot of mocks – would probably peg him as more of like a like a late first-round pick, not necessarily a mid-first-round pick. But I think there is a chance he climbs on draft night because he gets in, he gets in pre-draft workouts, he blows somebody away, and somebody's like, we're, we're going to take a bet on this guy. He's probably closer to the top 20 than he is top 30. So I actually really like that pick, Simon, and that would give them more length on the perimeter. Uh, t- how, how big do you want to make the Cavs, man? Like, that team is already monstrous enough. Like, how how big do we want to keep making the Cleveland Cavaliers? But speaking of teams with monstrous size and length and multiple positions, Rucker, you're on the clock. Milwaukee Bucks at 23, who are you taking?
1: Yeah, I'm going to get bigger. I'm going to take Mark Williams here. I like Mark that. Mark Williams. I like that fit a lot. Let's give them another rim protector that doesn't need to do much on the offensive side of the ball. He can just – you know, catch lobs and be the scariest person ever next to the honest. So yeah, let's, let's go to war. That's pretty easy. Moving on.
2: I like it.
0: Pick number 24. I'm on the clock. I don't really have much to say about Mark Williams, to be honest. Um, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Mark Williams fan. I know a lot of, a lot of our cohorts and no ceilings yourself included Rucker. You guys are coming around on, on the Mark Williams bandwagon. I'm not fully there yet. I think if I was picking one of these big men late in the first round, I think I'd still lean towards Walker Kessler. He's just done so many things that have blown me away on the defensive end this year on top of being a guy who I think is going to grow into his offensive game a little more than what Mark Williams is ultimately going to provide at the NBA level. So I'd rather bet on somebody like him. But I understand the Mark Williams peg. I understand Mark Williams has a ton of fans in NBA for an offices, and he probably is going to be one of those guys who ultimately does rise up and maybe he's drafted anywhere from, like, 17 to 25 on, on draft night. I'm fully aware of that scenario, so it's not a bad pick. Um, Houston Rockets, 24. I'm going to stop the bleeding, as our good buddy Nick would say, Rucker. I'm going to take Nikola Jovich here at pick 24. He's another guy. The The Rockets already took Shangun. they already took Aruba. If they are going to draft and stash somebody – they can still stash Nikola Jovich, or if he's ready to come over they can absolutely bring him over and he can contribute six foot 10 shot maker off the bounce. He's been much better at hitting open catch and shoot shots this year. He's as competitive of a player as they get in this draft class. I know Mike Schmitz just did a film session with him. I was watching some of the clips that he put together on social media from that film session. I loved what I saw both on the tape as well as listening to the interview with Jovic, I think that he's still somebody that is worth betting on, potentially even higher in the first round. I feel like you're you're either in on him being like a lottery pick or you're in this like late first round range, like like our good friend Corey is. So I'm going to stop the bleeding a little bit. I'm going to take Jovic here. I think short-term, long-term, I think he does fit with multiple pieces on that Houston Rockets roster. So Simon, pick 25, Chicago Bulls, who – have found a lot of success with a second-round pick in Io DeSumo. They get another pick in a very similar range. We hear all the time there's like this this group of players that find themselves in like that 25 to 35 range. They're essentially picking from a, a similar pool of players as they did last year. Who are you picking this time around for the Bulls?
2: Um, so
0: they need to they build around Io. And... <laughs> Not not uh, not Levine or DeRozan. We're, we're both no, right. no no of no. Not. Yeah, of course. Or hey. Lonzo. Or, oh my God, Kevin! You and oh, you, you totally your Lonzo propaganda.
2: Lonzo oh, Kevin, I, I totally forgot Lonzo was there. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna give them Tari Eason to oh, be man. a low usage, high impact defensive forward.
0: I almost took him. For The 76ers, that was the direction that was the other direction I, I was probably going to go because could you imagine him and Matisse Seibel playing defense oh. in the same lineup and, and Embiid manning the front line? Like, good, good lord, good luck trying to score on, on that team in, in that particular lineup. But I, I, I've come around on Tari Eason in multiple respects, I would have him comfortably inside my top 20. At this point in the draft, I wasn't I wasn't there like three or four weeks ago. But after digging into some more of the film, looking at some more of the numbers, coming up with a good comparison in my mind of a James Johnson type of player, and then talking with Chuck um, on this podcast, shout out to Chucking Darts, I, I I've come around on him, and I think I think the Bulls would be very happy to get a defensive talent like him, just another guy who can wreak, wreak havoc um defending in the perimeter maybe playing like a small ball four small ball five depending on the lineup and just being a defensive playmaker out there who can finish and transition this bulls team when they're at their best they're running and gunning up and down the court and Tari would absolutely help them do that at a higher level so i i do like that pick rucker 26 miami heat heat culture heat swag who is left in this draft who embraces heat culture? I'm really curious to hear who you're going to take.
1: I love the Tari pick because I was thinking that might be a route that the heat would yep. go.
0: Think it would hundred um, percent go that yep. route. Yep.
1: I'm going to get crazy. I'm going to oh, throw man. a name out there. As if you at, haven't been doing that enough. Oh, well now <laughs> I'm really going to get crazy. You know, Pat Riley and company are never afraid to go get their guy, which I have a big belief in. And I think this this is a guy that could be there. Um, I'm going to give them Justin Lewis of Marquette. I know that might be a little rich for some people's taste, but I think this is exactly the type of player that Pat Riley would jump all over, um, get him in their, their organization, develop him slowly, make life simple early on. He just plays the game tough, and this is a guy that would fit really well with that roster. So I think that would be a home run pick at 26. Um, with some really good upside to be a key contributor for that team.
0: You mean you mean you're not going to take Christian Brown? No, not part there. Part of Heat culture, not there. No, just too Lewis?
1: many. They got they got too many white shooters. They can't keep adding them.
0: <laughs> so, so yeah. Justin Lewis is a guy who has definitely gotten buzz over the last week or two. In different draft circles he had that big shot over Villanova the other night I actually talked about him on the last episode of this podcast I had Maxwell boards on and we talked about Justin Lewis as one of our guys and I think that he's firmly in that early second round range creeping into the, the the back end of the first and if we're talking about these guys who you would feel comfortable taking a swing on six seven forward who looks like he's he's Closer to 240 pounds and 235 pounds, really intriguing pick and roll threat, pick and pop threat, can do a little bit off the bounce, versatile defensively. That's the type of interesting young talent that I could see the Miami Heat absolutely taking a swing on. So I I, I do I do like the pick, and he seems like a really tough kid. He's built for it. I think he could actually thrive in Heat culture. So. Good, good pick by you, Tyler, even though you, you didn't give him another white shooter and, and, and Christian Brown. a little disappointed in you, but... No, you they need some know. defense. They, they 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 do need some, some more defense, especially so if not
1: they're not sure. No, I'm not hating on white guys. I'm just saying they need some depth other than shooting guards.
0: Well, if you're going to give them defense, size length defense, you know who you should have given them? The guy who I'm going to pick? Jeremy Suhan. That was the other name I was oh, thinking of, I but
1: I just like the Jay Lewis idea. Okay? Call me crazy.
0: <laughs> I like that. I, 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 I'm on board with Jeremy Suhan. I think that he absolutely has a range of, of going within the top 20 picks if everything works out for him in the 2022 draft. He could also come back to Baylor, look to have a breakout sophomore year, do a few more things offensively, and maybe significantly raise his stock. That wouldn't shock me either, but – He's a really versatile defender. He has size length. He's, he has a good IQ for the game offensively. He's an intriguing passer. I think as long as the three point shot continues to come around for him, he's shooting about average I think he's about like 34% on his three ball. He's, he's not a good free throw shooter. So that could be a negative indicator to where his outside shot is at the moment. It is something that it definitely needs to continue developing. When we talk about fluid mobile athletes with size length, that's six, eight, six, nine range who we've seen Jeremy Suhan be an absolute pest and a really good defender on threes and fours as he continues to grow, mature into his body. He could be somebody who plays that small ball five and could give other centers some problems depending on the lineup. So I really like the type of player that he could grow into. And we're talking about drafting for the Memphis Grizzlies here at pick twenty-seven. They have three first-round picks. They keep all of them in this scenario. They can afford to take a swing or two, and I think that Jeremy Suhan is one of the best swings that, that that's left on the board. So um, I'm going with him at pick 27. Simon, this is back-to-back picks for the Memphis Grizzlies. You're picking for them at 28. Who, who are you giving them with their third first-rounder?
2: So this guy is not going to play for them probably for the next couple seasons. So <clears throat> I think I'm going to – swing for the fences and god i either want to take usmani jang and just stash him overseas
0: that would be a swing
2: (laughs) given his point
0: yeah i'm gonna go with peyton peyton uh watson that's a good pick that's a good pick. I have a feeling Rucker wanted to take him with the next pick, but that that's a great pick for Memphis. Somebody, again, who if, you, if you're if you in a position where you have multiple first-round picks, you have a really deep, good team as it is, you can afford to be patient with somebody. Um, they took Zaire Williams really high last year, a guy who everybody thought was going to live in the G League, yet um, he's proven to be better than a lot of people thought, at least early on, and he's been starting for the Memphis Grizzlies this year. And if, if it really is more of a confidence thing, with Payne Watson and, and a fit in a certain system, that it is a skills issue. And he can come into the NBA with better coaching, better development, and he can end up cracking that rotation sooner than expected. I mean, we talk about these six eight, six nine guys with length who are transition terrors. He showed in in the game last night against Arizona that, that really intriguing pick-and-pop three. If that outside shot comes around, you know that um, it's been rumored that in, in certain UCLA practices he's been – given point guard responsibilities for playing pick-and-roll as the ball handler. Like, there is a lot of intriguing upside with Peyton Watson, who was at one point a preseason top-ten pick. So the fact that they're able to snake around, and and a team like Memphis, the Rich Keep getting richer, get him at 28, that would be an excellent choice um, if he's there. So well done with that pick, Simon. Rucker, 29, Golden State Warriors. You have a second chance to take our boy Christian Brown are
1: you going to do it? <laughs> yes, I'm doing it. Are you kidding me? Come on, go. Peyton Watson, Christian Braun, <laughs> bring him <them> on over. <laughs> now you're talking about giving some more shooters. Um, no, this would be an. I think this would be an absolute slam dunk for Golden State, um, adding someone like Braun off the bench. Just a smart player that can play really well inside that system. So, yeah, I, I love this pick. This is the easiest one I've made all day.
0: So there's one other guy who – could have went to Golden State. If we talk about just giving them more shooters, I'm going to take him for the Oklahoma City at number thirty. He's probably the one guy who's fallen. Who I'm, I'm actually surprised that he fell this far. Who would be Caleb Houston uh, out of Michigan? I think that I'm was the take other. Him. Yes.
1: Yep. I agree.
0: I'm going to take him for Oklahoma City at number thirty here at the end of the end of the first round mock. Stop the bleeding on him who's quietly been shooting the ball better over his last four or five games for Michigan. And if we're talking about one of these guys at the end of the first who could climb right back into that top 20 range, one of the names would obviously be Peyton Watson if he continues to show maybe not like dominant play for UCLA, but more flashes like he did last night. And then the other one would be Caleb Houston if he can keep up the shooting consistencies as he has over these last few games. So we did it. We completed a full first round mock draft. Rucker didn't fall over and die during the whole process, so that's definitely to to be praised. That's an accomplishment. We're still here. We're still alive. But as we go through this first round, we have all the names in front of us that I've typed in on our our on our public Google sheet here. Simon, if there's one guy who you're surprised wasn't picked in that top thirty, who would that name be?
2: I'm. Probably I would say Wendell Moore Just the way he's been uh, playing this season I would not be be shocked if a playoff team uh, picks him late
0: I agree with that. And Wendell Moore was somebody who was creeping up as high as like 16, 17 on my last big board, but that was really contingent on it as Metcalf and I have talked about multiple times in our no ceilings group, the, the jump shot really being something that was coming around for him this year. And is that going to be a consistent part of his game? He has not shot the ball well from the perimeter for a while. He's still been finishing around the basket. He's still played pseudo point guard for that team he's made people better around him but if we're talking about starter level player versus being some guy who you can bring in off the bench to man second units give give a a team another change of pace the jump shot really has to be there for him on a consistent basis and it it hasn't been for for a little while now so that's why i think that in my mind that's why i think he would have fallen down the board a little bit rucker what about you who's one guy you're surprised didn't go in the top 30
1: um strangely enough i'm in complete agreement with you guys I, I just think wendell could be a guy that goes a lot earlier than we're thinking uh the improvements this year are just kind of he's been almost like a utility weapon just kind of does a little bit of everything I, i'm like simon i think he could be someone at a playoff team jumps all over but you know that's also the range that there's going to be guys that fall to the second there's just it, it, all it takes is one team to kind of go be aggressive and reach for a guy we might have 35th and all of a sudden the whole board just gets kind of messed up. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Wendell would be the guy that I was a little surprised. None of us took the leap,
0: but, um, there's, there's always going to be one guy. A few guys who I'll just call out as honorable mentions. Um, E.J. Liddell has got a really Mm -hmm. good buzz lately at Ohio State. Michael Foster also playing in the G League. I think he's started to build up a little bit of a sneaky late first-round case. Both of the point guards, Kennedy Chandler and J.D. Davison, fell out of the first round in this scenario. That's not as surprising to me. I mentioned Walker Kessler, somebody to watch as a dark horse late first-round pick if you're looking for a big man. Um, Travion Williams out of Purdue has been really fun. Young Jung Lee, the Davidson wing, has also been really fun this year. Somebody who I'm starting to come around a little more on. My guy, Josh Minot, out of Memphis. I still think he's going to go in the first round uh, once we get to June, and I probably would have taken him with that 30th pick if Caleb Houston wasn't still on the board. And then somebody who I know Rucker's written about him for no ceilings. Metcalf has just gotten done writing about him. Ismael the mm-hmm. the Paris big man. Man, he – Rucker, I know that you've been talking about him for a while, but I started to watch a little more of his film the other day after reading Metcalf's brilliant piece for us in No Ceilings. And he he is he is fucking fun, man. I I really enjoy watching him. Do you have any parting Kamagate thoughts of somebody to watch for?
1: No, I think if I didn't say Wendell Moore, I think I think Kamigata has a real shot to get into the first. Um, he's just shown some really good flashes, especially with this big class. I think when you get past the Mark Williams range that there could be someone that sneaks up if it's Walker Kessler or Kamagate. And I think kamagate has got a real shot. So I'm like you, the more you watch, the more you find yourself becoming a fan and he's, he's a good one.
0: Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for graciously coming on the podcast, helping, helping me blow off a little bit of steam. We, we didn't have to be as professional on this episode. We could just go at it have some fun, do a nice little mock draft. And put out some great content for the community. You know, everybody loves eating up mock drafts. So I'm, I'm sure that there's definitely going to be some people talking about this episode. I can't wait for all those conversations on social media. But Simon, for anybody who, for whatever reason, wouldn't be following you on social media or any of the work they're doing, why don't you go ahead and plug everything that you are doing <laughs> for my audience now?
2: Yeah, you can just find me at um, Hawks Draft uh, Nerd on Twitter. And my big board is at, um, crashing, um, hoops.com.
0: Rucker, you do it every single time you're on this podcast. It is your job, your responsibility. No, I'm just kidding. But you just, you, you do, you do a really good job of the plug. So go ahead, plug yourself, plug everything we're doing
1: in No Ceiling real quick. I'm at com, along with a bunch of talented guys. Um, also want to make sure you guys do follow Simon because he does some great stuff with highlighting a bunch of prospects that everyone needs to pay attention to. And I'm also at backcourt V, which is backcourt violation on social media. So thank you guys for doing this. This was fun. And, you know, I still regret my second Atlanta Haw- Hawks
2: pick.
0: <laughs> so do That's- I, Tyler. That, that that's gonna that's gonna be the biggest the biggest thorn in your side, Rucker. That that you, you did it. You pissed off Simon with the second Hawks pick, and now now you're you regret it. You want to have some fun. You wanted to troll everybody. Now you regret it. So that that's something you're gonna have to live with for the rest of your life, heaven forbid. bit, but. This this was a lot of fun, like I said, and thank you all out there for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you aren't subscribed, make sure you are wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're following me on social media, at Deeper. Make sure you're following No Ceilings on social media, at No Ceilings NBA, and stay tuned. There's plenty more content coming throughout this entire draft cycle on the No Ceilings Sack, as well as this podcast. Um, we're going to be going in multiple different directions over the next few weeks. I know my usual morning dunk column next Monday is actually going to be a little bit of a birthday present for myself. I'm going to do an NBA rookie ladder because I haven't written a word about any of the amazing rookies that we have in the league this year yet. So I'm going to talk about guys like Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. And I'm going to tell you why these guys are awesome. And I'm probably also going to mention words about, why Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green are still going to be awesome because I'm buying all the stock that anybody could possibly be selling, um, even though they've been a little bit disappointing so far in their rookie year. So definitely make sure you're subscribed to the Substack to read that piece next week. But with that being said, thank you all again for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.